Hello, my name is Sam Breakgear and welcome to The Loudspeaker, your PR and marketing podcast from Publicize, specialist in PR and digital communications. Here, you will learn how to build an effective communication and growth strategy for your business with advice from a variety of experts. Plan ahead and mitigate the damage. People started following me because of that. That's one of the main ways I've gotten us in the big name publications. You need to write it as if it's an email going from you to a friend. You can kind of maximize your ad dollars there. With this show, alongside our free online resources, you will learn how to take the right steps so your business will gain more recognition online, convert more leads to sales, and build greater trust among prospects, clients, and investors. In today's episode, we will be discussing how to write a press release based on our guide, the Ultimate Startup Press Release Guide. To explore this topic, we are joined by Shell Horowitz, a sustainable-focused marketing expert and the presenter of the TEDx talk, Impossible is a Dare, Business for a Better World. With hundreds of press releases under his belt, Shell joins us to share his tips and advice so you can nail your next press release. From today's discussion, you will learn why keywords are important for press releases, how to use the five W's, who, what, where, when, and why, and examples and advice on how to use the story behind the story style press releases. And if you like this episode, some other The Loudspeaker episodes you should try are how to effectively plan and react to a PR crisis, why local PR can be better than top tier publications, and how to measure the ROI of digital PR. Okay, I'm Shell Horowitz from goingbeyondsustainability.com. I got my start in PR, oh my goodness, 1972, I think it was, um, writing about social justice movements that I was involved with for Oddly enough, uh, I was uh, involved with the things from the left-wing side, but I got to write for a right-wing student-run newsletter. It wasn't really a newspaper. It only came out a few times a semester. And they would run my stuff with disclaimers. <laughs> <laughs> like, this does not represent the views of the management. But they gave me a platform, and the mainstream newspaper in my high school would not. So that was from very humble beginnings, I got involved in this intersection of marketing and journalism, which is really what PR is. It's, it's telling a story in a way that makes journalists notice it and makes the general public notice it. And um, doing that with, with an idea that you're going to advance a cause or a company or a set of ideas or whatever it is that you're promoting. So I, this was all the way back when I was a teenager and I've just fell in love with it and I've never let go of it. And it's, it's it allowed me to expand into a lot of other directions in the marketing world and particularly for green and social change companies, which is what I most like to work with. Awesome. Yeah, I have to say, I do love the flexibility of PR in the sense that there's a lot of overlap between other areas. So you can easily transition between like, um, uh, content creation, for example, uh, or marketing and go into other things. Now, I, I do want to know, before the call, you highlighted a few points you wanted to share with our audience. The first is that press coverage gives you third-party credibility you can't get with advertising. Can you explain what this means and why it's important, please? Yeah, when you get an expert to say good things about you, people take that seriously. That's why so many companies chase and pay exorbitantly for celebrity endorsements. 
So I'm a big believer in endorsements, but I'm not really a believer in buying them. I would much rather generate them from people who are genuinely happy with what my product or service is. And I can tell you from experience that I have gotten endorsements for my books on marketing from people like Jack Hanfield, co-creator of the Chicken Soup series, Seth Godin, the futurist who's written, I can't even count how many wonderful books. Um, before I became a co-author with him, Jay Conrad Levinson, the founder of the Guerrilla Marketing brand, endorsed one of my early books on marketing. So that's one way to get that. Another one is press attention. When the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the whatever the daily paper is in Bogota, um, when they cover you, it means that they have decided that you're newsworthy. They have decided that you are worth sharing your story, your message with their audience. And that's not something to be taken lightly. And I personally will go after PR even from much smaller outlets because I really think that the more times you're out there, the more it opens doors. And also sometimes small channels can lead to bigger ones. So I will almost never turn down a radio interview or a press interview. I respond, there's a service called Help a Reporter. And I was the sixth person to subscribe on the very first day. And what that is, is that reporters send out three times a weekday. There's a bulletin that goes out with reporters looking specifically for story sources. And it is so much easier to get press being a story source from a reporter who says, this is exactly who I need to talk to tell me what you can do about this, then it is to send a cold press release on a desk that's getting 200 press releases a day or 500 press releases a day. So there are many, many doors to that. And Harrow is just one of several similar services and most of those are free. So I would definitely encourage subscribing that helperreporter dot, I believe it's dot com, uh, but it might be dot net or something else. Anyway, you'll be able to find it very easily. Get on that list, but recognize that there'll be 800,000 people reading each email, and you better respond quickly and appropriately if you want coverage. But that's gotten me in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Entrepreneur, lots and lots of places that people have heard of. So if people want to hire a marketing consultant and copywriter to write their press releases and their book cover and their website copy and all the other things that need to be written, if they see that I've been quoted in these places, that makes me much higher on their potential list than if I'm just some copywriter working from a farmhouse in Massachusetts. Yeah, I, I have to say I speak very highly of Harrow and I recommend it to a lot of people. Anyone getting started with the intention of getting coverage, I think it's a great place to just go and learn and just cut your teeth because there are some really low hanging fruits in there. And of yeah. course you can practice your pitching which is fantastic. And uh, I have to say, uh, I get the majority of my guests from there. I mean, we met through Harrow. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, like you said, there are a lot of people sending pictures. So you do have to make sure that you, yours is better than the rest to get noticed. And it is a time-related thing. So um, yeah. the sooner you get it in, the better. Um, yeah, I, I try to get mine in within the first hour, if at all possible. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely advisable. But I have had, I've had some clag something in the Harrow and in some cases they were two days late to respond and they still got coverage <laughs> but it's partly because they were in deeply specific niches and there weren't a hundred thousand people responding mm. yeah <laughs> uh, i do find that the science and art of pitching reporters through harrow and, and through similar services has shifted a lot in the last 20 years 
It used to be you could just say, oh, I'm a marketing expert, blah, 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 one, two, three, four. And now you probably are going to be saying, uh, I am an expert in using story behind the story press releases to get media attention and audience attention that would otherwise have to be paid for, something that specific. Mm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And what, I wanted to go back to one other point that you made earlier on saying about how you should try and catch all kind of opportunities to be in the press because sometimes small opportunities can lead to larger things. And it's quite interesting because I had a guest on this show once and they were like the Uber for lawn care. So you need someone to come mow your lawn. Uh, they'll set you up with someone that can do that. And um, yeah, they, they run this like small company, but it's grown a lot. And one of the reasons they've been so successful is because they've targeted local news stations and local media and they found that they get more results from that and better ROI from that than going on the larger publications and they've been sure. featured on all of them like um, Wall Street Journal or Entrepreneur and all of those and as good as it looks to have it on the website like featured on um, they definitely say that going on those like local news stations uh, really do really does yield the best results. Yeah, and if your market is that hyper-local, as a lawn care service would be, uh, you, you know, a lawn care service in Massachusetts doesn't want a customer in Colorado or, or in Berlin. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but what that big media coverage is good for is attracting the attention of the small local media. If you can say to the editor on the garden beat of your local hometown newspaper, not only am I local, but I've been written about in the Wall Street Journal, I can assure you they will pay some attention to your pitch. Mm. Yeah. Now, I just want to go back to like press releases um, for a bit. You said before our call, that an audience for press releases is anyone searching for your keywords. How has the audience for press releases changed over time? And why have keywords become such an important factor for press releases? Because we've disintermediated. It used to be that the only people that saw the actual press release, unless they reprinted it, were journalists. And that is no longer true and hasn't been true for more than 20 years. These days, if you post your press release online, in addition to sending it to journalists, then if somebody searches for the keywords that you happen to use and you come up in a Google search, they might go right to your press release without ever reading about you in a newspaper first. So at this point, it's now a point of entry in a way that it didn't used to be. It used to be that your audience was the journalists and they would either reprint your press release or they would write a story about you based on your press release, uh, sometimes interviewing you, sometimes not. And now, first we have citizen journalists. Any blogger is a journalist. Um, any, anybody with a podcast is a journalist. But also we have this ability to go straight to the sources and not filter them through what the media thinks is important. Which means in terms of how we structure the press releases, if I'm writing a press release for a client, I'm very conscious of structuring it so that it is attractive and appealing to the end user. My goal is not necessarily to attract the attention of a journalist, although that is certainly something I like to do, and I try to do press releases that do both. Mm -hmm. But uh, my goal is to provide something that is readable and interesting enough so that if somebody does find it in a Google search, they want to read the whole thing, whether or not they're a journalist. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that is ideal. I, I suppose if you are able to produce press releases that are like twofold, able to attract 
non-journalists and journalists alike, then you've got a real skill there. <laughs> I'm glad to have yeah. you on the show. <laughs> I do what I call story behind the story press releases. Yeah. And the, the journalists in the old days, you always were supposed to lead with the five W's, um, mm -hmm. with the who, what, where, when, and sometimes there's a sixth one beginning with an H, which is how. Mm -hmm. um, and the leads were boring as all get out. Mm -hmm. um, but they had all the information the journalist needs. So when I'm writing a story behind the story press release, I'll give you an example. I was hired many years ago to write a press release for a new book on electronic privacy. This is long ago enough that we weren't really concerned about identity theft back then. Uh, if I were writing for a book like that now, I'd probably make that front and center. Mm -hmm. But I focused instead on data privacy. So the headline that you would expect from a 5W's release would be, electronic privacy expert releases new book boring mm -hmm. fail no news there um not no interest there mm -hmm. the headline i wrote uh, drawing on that old commercial at 10 o'clock do you know where your kids are it's 10 o'clock do you know where your credit history is and then in the lead paragraph talked about how it might be quote unquote vacationing in the data banks of big companies and the book didn't actually show up until paragraph three that's heresy in traditional press release right but it was very effective. And I think it's, it's a great example of how to use a press release to tell a story to your end reader and how to get them interested. And of course, I did have his credentials and all the rest of the stuff that a journalist would expect to find it. Build a robust communication strategy for your business using Publicize's digital resources. From toolkits to templates, our resources are available to everyone and anyone, just like this podcast. To scale and grow your business today, visit our guides at publicize.co slash guides and be sure to follow the loudspeaker wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Do you have any other examples perhaps where you've seen this uh, story behind the story approach taken by perhaps other journalists or perhaps other PR specialists that you know? I have seen it used, but I couldn't tell you by whom. But I, I, one other example from my own practice is that um, when my daughter was in, I think, sixth grade, her school did a talent show. Mm -hmm. And I got the assignment to promote that event to local media. And um, I didn't use the phrase talent show. I, I phrased it completely differently. Um, I wasn't expecting to share this example. And I, I didn't refresh my memory about exactly what I called it. But it was something like, uh, a, a, I made it as a performance that happened to have sixth graders <laughs> the performers. <laughs> um, and, and that was very effective. The room was filled. Uh, our local paper picked it up and there were like 70 people jammed into the room for this talent show. Uh, including many who had no connection to the kids who were performing. Normally when you have a kid's talent show for a school, you have their parents and maybe their parents really good friends. And we yeah. were able to actually make this a mainstream public event. That's awesome. And that's just through your choice of words really and just how you framed the event. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, I think that's funny because we have such strong associations to certain words that they kind of trigger response within us. Uh, so like you say, talent show, like I have a very kind of, yeah, like it doesn't really spark much in me. When I think of a talent show, I probably think of almost like, unless it's like a hugely professional one or a national one, then it's it's probably like you said, it's 
the people that maybe are associated to those taking part in the talent show, especially for like sixth grade or something like that, the ones that are going to be there. But if you frame it like just a completely bizarre way, then they're going to almost be intrigued and yeah, have to figure exactly. out like what is going on. Why is it? So it does. Yeah. It kind of bypasses the usual old oh, talent show thing and just yeah. goes straight for curiosity. And it also really helped the educational mission of the school because the school was very arts focused. Mm. So even though these were sixth graders, they were damn good. <laughs> they were really um, on a level that you'd normally expect at least high school and maybe college performers to be. Mm. So that was another piece of it, is, is that because the school had such an art-focused mission, it was able to draw attention to the accomplishments of kids in that curriculum, and therefore became kind of a recruiting tool, I guess. And I, I do a lot of work in the green and social change worlds, and uh, one of the things that I've really come away from with that is the importance of matching your message to your audience. So the audience for this talent show press release was not the parents of uh, the school kids. It was the wider community. And therefore, I position the event as something people in the wider community would want. By the same token, if I am writing marketing material for, let's just say, uh, a company that does environmentally friendly betting, okay, most people who have green businesses will look at one audience, which is the deep green audience, the people who you can say buy this because it's greener, and they'll actually say sure. But there are two other really important audiences there. One is what I call the lazy green. Mm -hmm. And those are like my mother-in-law, who uh, when I told her that I was staying at her house so that I could have a tour of the recycled uh, toilet paper factory for Marcal, a big American brand in the Northeast, she says to me in her Queens accent, I always buy Marcal because it's recycled. But actually, she always buys Macau because it's not only recycled, but it's right next to the traditional brands on the same shelf of the supermarket she's already shopping in. She's not going to go across town to a natural food store to get it. Mm. <laughs> so she's open to the message, but not going to go out of her way for the green products and services. But then there are the anti-greens or the non-greens, the people who are either hostile or indifferent, you cannot get them ever to buy by saying this is green, pay attention. Uh -huh. But you can say this will be the most comfortable bed you've ever slept on. This will help you if you're an allergy sufferer. We don't have any harsh chemicals. Uh, it's all natural materials and that's why you're going to get a better night's sleep. You sell the features, the benefits, and not the fact that it's green to that audience. And that's the one that most green businesses just ignore and they're really leaving a lot of money on the table. And for social change businesses, it may be a little harder sell with that skeptical audience. Um, how do you sell something like an anti-racist curriculum to people who are skeptical about the whole idea that racism is something should be discussed. Uh, but I think that there are ways of overcoming even that challenge. Uh, because you can talk about the benefits to the students in the curriculum of being prepared for a world out there that is not the world of Leave it to Beaver in the 1950s. That's interesting, the, the positioning there of the benefits, whether it's for something greater like the world or if it's for the individual. I personally can relate to that a lot in the sense that in Colombia, they don't have the same level of uh, environmental consciousness um as they do perhaps in like the uk or the us and i know that because my girlfriend and i are like quite strong eco warriors <laughs> her especially i mean i am but she really really is quite hardcore so we try and source all of our stuff environmentally um 
and it's quite difficult. So we do have to do our shopping and order like certain things in one place. And there's only one place in the whole city that we can get it. And uh, it's very expensive. And then we got to go somewhere else and somewhere else. Um, so I, I can relate to that. Here's a little challenge for you. Okay. How can you as a consumer advocate for the EcoPath make yourself heard to companies in Colombia? Now, I would say you could do it uh, through the self-interested arguments uh, that will appeal to the business community. For example, you can say, if you get organic fair trade certification for your coffee orchard, mm -hmm. that will enable you to command a higher price, get a guaranteed market, um, you know, and just keep spinning out the benefits to them. Mm. You know, in the U.S., at least, it's a three-year cycle to go from uh, chemiculture to organic, uh, certified organic. Uh, mm -hmm. You need three years of not using chemicals. So, and the, the other thing is to get them together in a group of growers so that you have, uh, you're avoiding the problem of cross-contamination. Oh, my, my field might be organically grown, but the field next door is using these chemicals and they're coming over in the wind. So... Uh, if you could say to them, oh, I'm making up numbers here, instead of the $4 a bushel, you might be getting nine. That's an argument they will absolutely listen to. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, 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 when it comes to Colombia, it's difficult from my experience. Um, I think the most important thing is just making, what I want to do and my girlfriend always try and do is just make the consciousness or make them more conscious of, uh why we need to do this in the first place obviously you talk about the benefit to them but i think in colombia there's just no realization that certain things are really damaging to the environment and for instance they love plastic bags they put everything in plastic like there's so much plastic here and whenever we say no we don't want a plastic bag people always look at us like we've got two heads like why would you not want a bag for this and we always have to kind of explain to them i try and explain to them i usually say something i usually tell them like no because a, a plastic bag takes like 150 years to completely deal by grade and um therefore if we use it now then it's gonna outlast all of us here um, but you can also using that plastic bag example here in the u.s that was true even as recently as 10 years ago and there really was a shift and now people not only have their cloth totes but they, they actually keep them in their car so that mm. they're there when they need them. They don't have this problem of, oh, I, I, took, I emptied all the totes and I forgot to put them back. Mm. Uh, but it, it, it took some time and some energy. And Colombia is not so far from Ecuador. And I've been to Ecuador and I've seen that there is a, definitely a tension between the, the chemiculture farmers and the organic ones. But that there's considerably more interest, I think, in eco-friendly ways of growing and of living there than there was 20 years ago and some of it is now that they have this success of having sued a huge multinational oil company and won the suit they're having some trouble collecting but um, uh. Uh, that that shows people in in a very bottom line driven way that there is a price to pay for this bad behavior and there's a price to be gained for the good behavior yeah i i do feel happy in the sense that i, I do see some change when um when I talk about it in general like that, that's the majority of people, but there's definitely change happening. And, and like you said, it's, it didn't just happen overnight in the US or even in the UK. Uh, it's something that is, has been gradual. But yeah. I, I, um, I also really liked one point you made earlier about the talent show. I think it's really interesting to see that 
PR isn't just something that is applicable to your work or to potentially a job that you just get paid for. I think it can be something which is a skill set which can help other people out. Like, so I, th- I thought of it this way, and you've kind of reinforced something that I thought of. Before I arrived in Colombia, I went traveling and I was traveling around Central America and the US. And one thing I did, there's this thing called work away which essentially you volunteer and in exchange you get free accommodation and food or whatever. Uh, So it's, so you don't need a visa to work. You're not getting paid money. And um, you would just do things like whatever, maybe you like work at reception desk or you work in a restaurant or you, you do like certain things that maybe the hotel or hostel, wherever you're staying needs. And I always thought that with PR, I kind of thought to myself, is it possible to use that in like a, a sense? Like if I was to go to like, do that traveling again and use my PR talents um, perhaps to help a hostel or something out. Like I also have a friend uh, in Massachusetts actually that runs a glass studio and I was thinking of going to stay with them for a while, but I don't want to just stay with someone for a really long time and not pay the money or not contribute back in any kind of way. And uh, I thought potentially it's possible. Maybe if I went to stay with them in that glass studio for a prolonged period of time, I could get the PR results. Um, yeah. or help with them in that sense. So I really actually enjoyed your example uh-huh. for the well, talent well, show. Another example that's directly relevant, you could go to that hotel and you could say, if you institute some eco-friendly measures and I can either tell you what they would be or I can put you in touch with people who could tell you what really needs to happen here, that would provide a huge marketing advantage for you. And I'm willing to barter my PR skills to help you get that message across. And then it may be a small number of people who are uh, residents of Colombia who are caring about this, but probably a significant portion of the tourists from mm. USA, from maybe even Brazil, you know, some of the, the stronger economies in the region would definitely want to stay in a place if given a choice between comparable priced resorts that are eco-friendly or mm. not, they'll go with the eco-friendly. And there's because there's been so little progress, there is a hell of a lot of low low hanging fruit that you can go after. Mm. So whether it's, it's interesting too, because um, I imagine you've traveled enough in the US that you know the common thing of not taking the towels out of the hotel room every day and having people put them on the floor if they want them washed or hanging them up if they can reuse them. Hmm. That was sold to the public as an environmental measure, and it is, hmm. but it's also an enormous cost savings for the hotel. Hmm. They're doing maybe one-third or one-fourth of the laundry they used to do. Um, they're using far less water. Mm-hmm. They're using far less labor. Uh, so everybody wins with this. So you look for the places where everybody wins, and you say, what does it take to make it happen? And often it's not that difficult to at least start the path. And then if you do something really easy that produces a 10 or 15 or whatever percent savings, like pretty instantly, then that gives you some political capital to go after the next level where you might have to spend a little more and get a little less benefit. Maybe you have to spend a few thousand dollars and you get a 5% return. That's still a very good return for a business owner who's used to profit margins of one or 2% typically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I definitely feel like there's some more win-win scenarios out there that's yet to be un- uncovered and uh, yeah i i love that that example now we just got a little bit of time left and i have one final question for you uh, which really is um a general piece of advice 
for our audience. So what final piece of advice do you have for our listeners when it comes to gaining press coverage or um, I suppose PR coverage? Yeah, <laughs> press coverage uh, uh, using press releases. Okay. Well, before I get there, I do want to make sure that I say that my site is goingbeyondsustainability.com. And among other things you can find on the freebies page there, uh, excerpts from my latest book, Guerrilla Marketing to Heal the World, as well as the opportunity uh, to fill out a brief questionnaire and have 15-minute personal consultation with me. As for the one piece of advice in PR, I'd say know who your audience is how to reach them, what they read, what they listen to, what they watch, and what their, not just their pain points, but their pleasure points are. A lot of marketers talk about pain points, pain points, pain points. And I, I say that you can not only solve people's pain, but you can also help them aspire to higher goals, both for their own lives and for the planet. Awesome. I think that's a, a very fair piece of advice and a, a great way to conclude the show. Uh, now, I know you sent them to your, your website. Is there anywhere else they can find you or is there anywhere else um, they can keep up to date with uh, the work you're doing? Well, I do a lot on Facebook and my profile is open. I'm reaching the point where I can't say yes to every friend request because I'm approaching the 5,000 limit. <laughs> But the best place is goingbeyondsustainability.com. You can sign up for my newsletter there, which comes out once a month, in which I have been writing, oh my goodness, since 1997, I think it was. Um, so it's, it's just once a month. And uh, I would encourage, there's so much wonderful stuff out there about the way that we in the marketing and PR worlds can make a difference in the wider world. And that's really where where I want my legacy to be. And um, I'm also, I should mention, totally open to speaking. I'm a fairly experienced speaker. I'm a very experienced media guest and always happy to talk to people who want to see this message going out to a, a wider public. Fantastic. Yes, well, uh, I'm always in support of this message reaching a, a wider uh, group. And thank you for joining me today and thank you for sharing that message. Great to be here with you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcast to stay up to date with the latest PR and digital communications trends. You can also find numerous videos on our YouTube channel where we break down complex topics and the best tips to help you scale and grow your business. If you're ready to take your PR and digital communications to the next level, book a call with one of our growth consultants today. And that's not all, exclusively for the loudspeaker listeners, receive an SEO assessment as part of your package for any tier of service at no extra charge. Just go to publicize.co slash LS promo to book your call. Thanks for joining us. And we look forward to having you here again soon.